Welcome, 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 everybody, to the 90s Mixtape Podcast. I am your host, Pat, joined by my lovely co-host, Jen. Hello. And we are back in the closet, staring at the wood chips in the candy dish known as the potpourri episode, right? We, uh, as you guys know, every month, I remind Jen that there was a dish of scented fragrance uh, wood chips, that we were not allowed to touch in my grandma's house that was called potpourri. It went back in the bag every time the guests <laughs> left. The fact that it went back in the bag is, you're really a... They just had this bag of <laughs> fucking wood chips, man. They just would take it and put it back in the bag and then go from there. I mean, it was... Well, I guess it keeps its scent if you put it back in the bag but better. But the, the scent wasn't pleasing, so I don't understand. It's like, And then we went to like those, remember the Fabri or Glade plugins? I wonder if people still use those. Remember, it was like Glade plug. I, was like, use, I used to use them, like not even that long ago. And then you just like plug it in, and then every like, you know, two hours, it would be psh, and just spray out like yeah. Glade. That was the thing. Mid 2000s, right? Probably not great to breathe that in, though. No, it's definitely not great. Open the windows, get some fresh air. And then we learned, too, you can't even do candles, because I remember candles was always a thing, too. Burn like scented candles, because like it could cause like carbon monoxide buildup in houses and things. What? You didn't know this? Well, I know that um, they're not. Uh, most of them, a lot of them, it's, it's not great to breathe in. And I'll notice because I love candles. If I light one, I'll start to feel, like, sometimes I'll feel, like, stuffy or weird. Um, but I didn't know about carbon monoxide. Yeah, it was, like, a whole thing. I mean, they didn't stop selling them. No, I mean, I get it. There's a whole industry and people make them on their own. But it's, like, I, I think it's, like, a thing. Like, you're just not, like, I don't know. I heard it from someone. Maybe I heard it from you. Like, you're not supposed to burn candles all the time inside. So maybe I told you about the chemicals and how breathing it in wasn't good and you computed it to carbon monoxide. Look, whatever I heard or didn't hear, <laughs> we're talking about the news events, the potpourri, the random stuff in the jar, April 1993. So, Jen, did you do your own cracked research this month? Yeah, and I feel like I know less now than I did before I started researching. I would probably say the same thing. So when I looked at, you know, some of the events that happened in April 93, there kind of wasn't a ton of larger events. There was a couple plane crashes. There oh. was. Oh. Yeah. Tell me. I well, like there was that. American Airlines Flight 102. It, like, skid off the runway or something like that. So, I mean, those things happened. Oh, but they the were okay. And the plane got scuttled. Yeah. There was a man named Alan Kowicki was killed in an aviation accident. Oh. When the twin turboprop he was traveling crashed from Blountville, Tennessee. On approach to the nearby Tri-Cities Airport, there was four people that were killed, including two executives of the Hooters restaurant chain. Oh. So, you know, a couple plane crashes. Sad. Um, They're still around. Yeah, and he was a NASCAR champion, so that's why that was a big deal. It was like a private plane. The guy, Alan Kowicki, was like a NASCAR guy. Oh. Um. So it was like, you know. A big deal. Um, we also had a march on Washington for the lesbian, gay, and bi equal rights and liberation. Ooh. And do you know that President Bill Clinton, who was president at the time, did not appear, but gave a statement. And the statement was given by a House of Representatives men- member named Nancy Pelosi on his behalf. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Yep. That just shows you how long these <laughs> people are there. <laughs> I know. Right? It's like 30 years later. We had uh, the 1993 Ramada Hotel drownings. Did you hear about this? Drownings? Yeah. So I guess like in the 90s, a lot of hotel chains were working to 
um, remove the deep end from pools in general because it was just like a hazard, right? So it happened that at a Ramada Inn in Andover, Massachusetts, some kids were in the pool after hours when they shouldn't have been. Parents were in the room and they drowned because they couldn't swim. They went to the deep end, nine feet. How old were these kids? They were young. And they And they all drowned? Three kids drowned, yeah. Jesus. And then that's why now, I'm pretty sure that's why now there's no like deep ends in pools past like six feet. Oh. But why would little kids be in a pool at night without that? Like, well, I don't. It wasn't, it wasn't like little, they might have been like eight or ten or whatever it is. Okay. But it's just the idea that like your parents, you, you get in to the hotel and then your parents are like, you know, staying for a hotel overnight. Oh, there's an indoor pool. The kids leave the room to go to the pool, right? Yeah, that's probably like... You know, they're playing around or whatever. They're there with their cousins. There's like four or five kids, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like with kids, at least, at least when I was growing up too, it was a lot of like that pack mentality. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the (laughs) 14-year-old is in charge of seven kids. And it's like, in reality, it's not that great. Everybody should, you know. Well, also, and it's horrible that that happened. And also, like, how many times did a group of kids go and that didn't happen. You no, know what I, I mean? Well, like I, not I, to I, say that it's okay or anything. Cause it's no, not okay. no, no, that's, that's the point, right? Yeah. Is that, you know, these things happen. But I remember when I was little, did you take swimming lessons? My parents put me in swimming lessons when I was like a toddler. Like I knew how to swim from forever. I feel like we just knew how to swim because we were always kind of around water. So we were just like taught how to swim. I don't remember if I got swimming lessons. I might've, I think my brother did. Um, my sister might have too, but I mean, like we were also kids that were thrown into the deep end, you know. My parent, but my, I mean, like people were there, but they're like going to the deep end, you know, and threw you into the deep end. Jen, by the way, is adjusting her seat on the fly. Just you know, apparently. I was. We gotta keep keep going back and forth, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It wasn't one of those things that I necessarily like recall getting swimming lessons, but I also like recall being able to swim, right, or not being too concerned about swimming. It was just one of those things. I think you know. We, again, were definitely ran by a pack. I think our parents were, like, off to the side sometimes, but they weren't necessarily 100% paying attention. There's a lot of kids, so. You wore floaties until you could prove you could swim in the deep end. Yeah. I feel like we would do, like, I feel like our parents at the beginning of the season, if I remember this correctly, would, like, because there'd be a lot of cousins and a lot of stuff that would go to different parties, and they would just kind of, like, have a test, you know, that, like, a couple of the adults would be, like, in the deep end, and, like, kids would, like, swim to show that they could get from, like, one end to the other end. And then when they could, then the parents would be like, all right, cool, like, you, you completed the test, right? You yeah. Can, you can do this. I mean, remember, like, in our old house a couple years ago, there was, like, a, um, I mean, I know you remember this, but there was a community pool, and they did that with the kids there. Like, mm-hmm. they were lifeguards, and if you were a kid, you had to prove that you could swim in the deep end before they'd let you just swim. Right. So, and that would happen all the time when we were at the pool. They were like, Yeah, I feel like tests. that was like a universal, like, hey, like, you know, just kind of show me that you could swim type deal because it was just like, you know, hey, I mean, your parents want to make sure that everybody's safe. Well, that sucks. Yeah. So I'm sorry that happened. Yeah, that was the 1993 Ramada Hotel Drownings. Wow. Yeah, I've not, I didn't hear about that. There was also the largest toga party the- <laughs> in the history of the world. Oh, yeah? Caesar's Palace, Las Vegas. WrestleMania 9. Is that really the larger, largest toga party? I was billed as that. Okay. I mean, you know, you like, <laughs> I, I didn't really investigate. I'm sure there must have been. I mean, think realistically. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, there was what? Like. 16,000 people there. A few million people in Rome. Like maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know how many people could be in the Coliseum at once, but if the 
garb was a toga. I mean, maybe if they had a special event, there was definitely like a, a bunch of people. So I wouldn't, maybe in the modern world, the largest toga party. But I'm sure in the ancient world, there was larger toga parties. Yeah. Just saying, not saying. I call shenanigans on that. Have you ever worn a toga? No. I think I've worn like a sheet pretending it was a toga, but it wasn't even like a white one. It was just like... <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, like, I think everybody at some point, there's a frat party and they're like, toga party. And then like, you're like, I don't have like a white sheet. I'm not going to go buy like a white sheet like that. So then you're just like, you know, a blue sheet toga or something. <laughs> right. I don't know. But I, I feel like that probably happened once. Like, I can't remember all of the things that I've done at this point, but I feel like that probably happened once, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I'm sure it did. What about you? Do you ever wear a toga? Mm-mm, no. Uh, but you've been to live wrestling events. Yeah. Not wearing a toga, though. So, the but last... yeah, I've never been to a toga party. The last big potpourri event, the last big thing is the... Uh, well... The end of the Waco siege. I have one more thing. Oh, okay. The Washington Post tells me that the John Bobbitt situation happens in June. Okay, leading, so this is April. Leading up to it, starting April 20... In April, mm-hmm. there were three other... Attacks on men's genitalia leading really? up to John Bobbitt. Yes. A 29-year-old woman in Milwaukee partially severed her boyfriend's penis after he announced he wanted to break up. That happened in April. Oof. That's what starts it off. Yikes. Um, Cynthia Mason Gillette, Gillette, I don't know how to pronounce that. She was charged with setting her husband's genitals on fire while he was sleeping after they got into an argument. And um, also in April... A man named Jose de Gilio was shot in the penis after he flashed somebody. So, um, that was in the Philippines. So, John Bobbitt was not the first. So, was this one of those, like... In 1993. So, is this one of those, like, these other things are getting traction and maybe she saw it somewhere type deal? Maybe. Or, I don't know. Maybe because then, after that thing? happened, I feel like other people did it because of her. You know what I mean? So maybe, maybe she was just the one that got the, um... I feel like the psychology of all of that is really something, right? I feel like it's just wild to be like, that's, that's the play here. The play is like, I'm going to risk prison time to cut off your genitalia. That's the play. I mean, it's a lot. I um, to me, it's a lot. Waynesville, North Carolina. That's where the, that's where the arson, the penis arson was. I thought you said it was in the Philippines. No, the Philippines was the, was the gunshot. Penis gunshot. Okay. The arson was in Waynesville, North Carolina, and um, the severing was in Milwaukee. Okay. And that started in April, so I thought you'd want to know about that. So a couple months back, we talked about on our Potpourri episode, we were going to um, explore or kind of look into the Waco siege, because that was a big deal in 93, and unfortunately, it's going to be a big deal even up till now, I would say. Well, it is a big deal now because it's 30 years, so I feel like it's been getting a lot of... But just um, the aftermath, anyway, of, like, what happened and then how it led and it was, like, a flashpoint for, you know, potential militia movements and stuff in the country. So, we started looking into it. uh, As we noted, it started in February, lasted 51 days. April 19th was the last day. Uh, We started looking into it. I think we did a little independent kind of take in. I think you listened to some podcasts. I, we both did reading, listened to some podcasts, I watched some documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, I feel like after watching the documentaries, reading the notes, I'm still as hazy 
about what, like, if you asked me to explain to you mm-hmm. what happened, like how we play our little movie game, I feel like I would give you almost the same exact version, even after watching and consuming the media. I can give you a few more facts. Yeah. But I can't really give you any more, like, clarity. I, I think a lot of times you um, dive into something and you really, you see that there's multiple different pieces maybe that you missed that help, like, kind of put the puzzle together. Um, I really feel like the only thing I missed here, I feel like if this was a puzzle, the only thing I, I'm really missing here is, like, the three pieces in the in the very center and then, like, a few border pieces that are, like, nothing. Because if you asked me about this, what I would say is I remember that they were... Like, asked you before you... Before, right? Yeah. So if you asked me before, I would say I remember that there was, like, religious people that were living in Waco, Texas, and the government... Would you have used the word cult? I probably would have used the word cult. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you... I, pr- I probably would have. Um... The government laid siege to them. Something about, and this is, this is, I'm going off of what I would have said before. Something about the kids. There was something with the kids mm-hmm. and guns. And they laid siege to them for 51 days before it ended with a fire that killed like everyone. Yeah. Which is, you know, and kind of doing the research, from what I could tell from the beginning, it appears that. You know, forget the religious side, just the maybe the the government's case, the facts. It appears, mind you, this is just strictly we're talking about an event. We're not, I'm not, this is not a view one way or the other, right? This is just like a, a kind of a deep dive. It's not like, I don't have views about this one way or the other. Because um, I don't really know what happened. Well, I think that's almost why it feels like, I'm almost scared to say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because... So I listened to things that were so, and I don't, like sympathetic towards, you know, David Crush and the Branch Davidians, and then I listened to other things that were, like, depicting him as a complete monster. And I, I mean, I think when anyone has a stockpile of illegal firearms and is sleeping with children. There's a problem, right? Like, yeah. I, I think we can all agree with that. But, um, yeah, so it's hard to know exactly, like, certain things that happened, who did it, and I don't know. It, yeah, it's, it's really, you know, I, I think back to a lot, like, so, for example, in a, you know, for here in a couple years, on the anniversary of this in a couple years is going to be Oklahoma City bombing. So that I remember because we were supposed to go, my family was going to take a family trip. That was on the same day? Yeah. Oh, okay. Or the day, I think, the day before, the day, like, it was, like, the, the anniversary of it. Gotcha. And my family was going to, we were headed to D.C. We were going to go and see some museums and do some stuff. And we canceled that trip because of the Oklahoma City bombing. Because my family was nervous that, like, hey, they would bomb federal buildings. Right, right. Now, when that happened, again, with information being the way it was in the 90s, I'm going to go there in order to go back. We didn't really know, like, a ton. There was, like, a release of a picture that it was, like, you know, like, they think they knew who it was in the beginning. And then as the information came out... You know, it was, uh, obviously it was Timothy McVeigh who was convicted and, and, you know, was sentenced to death for it. Um, but the Oklahoma City bombing, the more information you get and the further you come away from that, you really, they, you see, okay, that it was, the genesis of it was this event in Waco, Texas. Timothy McVeigh was one of the people that went to Waco, Texas and was like kind of protesting and like selling anti-government bumper stickers there and stuff like that. 
And he was so horrified and upset by what the government did that then he took it upon himself. Because I guess one of the agents that investigated the incident was actually like stationed there at Oklahoma City. Like people that were involved in there were stationed there at Oklahoma City. So it was t- very targeted. And the day was targeted, and the whole thing was targeted as like a like an anti government response. Oh, so one of the agents from yeah, the, the, the FBI siege in Waco, Texas, yep. was at the they Oklahoma City. Like that's where they were stationed. Like the people that were okay. like working there. So like it was very wow. Yeah, so was, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was very like coordinated. Now all of that information came out later, right? As the investigation went on, and there was trials, and there was different things. So it was like cool, like you, there was there was a line. You could draw a line from one to the other, right? This event happened because this event happened. But when you go backwards and you look at the Waco incident, it's really strange because there's a lot of religious undertones that are there where, you know, at least the stuff that I saw, a lot of people really were enamored with David Koresh. Mm -hmm. They were following David Koresh and he was really, really into the book of Revelations. So for him, this was always going to end in fire and death because he believed, or at least this is what the information is that we can see now. Like, he believed that this is where this was kind of, like, going, always. Yeah. So, when the government came, you know, part of it was they were they were doing a, um, at least the data and research that we saw, it appears that they were doing a, like, daytime siege to get these weapons. So, it, what it appeared, or the crux of their argument, was that, you know, not only were there abuses potentially with children... But they were stockpiling and creating illegal AR-15, you know, and, and firearms. So they were removing the firing pins, taking semi-automatic guns, making them automatic guns, which is illegal, then selling them at gun shows, right? Right, right, right. So that's kind of the crux of what they were doing. Except with it being in the, nine, you know, early 90s, the data and information that they had probably wasn't as great as maybe it could be now, right? Where we have mm-hmm. so much more information and so much more available. And definitely after the Patriot Act, where you can um, have more uh, government... Uh, views and and sight into people, right? You know, electronically. So you can really follow a lot more of what they're doing. So it appears, you know, and I saw this, you know, I think one of the government agents said it when they were interviewing them in one of the documentaries I watched, that they were just kind of like, yeah, they didn't didn't really know their enemy. They really weren't prepared enough on that first initial time to go serve the warrant. Like they didn't really know what they were getting into per se. Otherwise they probably should have done it in a different way. Because when they went at first, there was a lot of cameras there. People were recording it. I mean, like, you, I mean, these are videos that are etched into memory of, like, people literally, you know, FBI, FBI agents, ATF agents getting killed, getting murdered, going in to try to serve this warrant. Because, you know, once that door came down, now the people on the inside are defending their territory against the government and government overreach. And that's really the crux of both sides of the argument that people have, right? Like, were they doing something wrong that required the government to come with that response? And also, like, who shot first, right? Which then created the escalated conflict. And then are you allowed to, you know, retaliate back to protect your property? And that was a huge deal because that's really, you know, as far far back as I can remember, you know, again, I remember this happening as a kid, like, seeing it on the news. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember seeing the aftermath unfold on the news because it was a huge story. I remember specifically David Koresh's glasses. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember they would play, like, different interviews and trying to put them in different Mm -hmm. light. And, again, you know, this is back when the news, you know, you say what you want about the news now, but I feel like the news was kind of a little bit more just, like, here is just the the basic facts. Yes. It wasn't more more into editorial, per se. There definitely had to have been. 
because we're people. Well, because we're humans and we all have uh, an opinion. But it wasn't like it is now. It was it like... It wasn't very much like slant. I like, feel like everybody watched the nightly news. Like, I don't know what you watched. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure my family watched ABC. Yep. Dun, 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 dun. Like, it was like, you know, the nightly news or whatever. Yep. But um, it was definitely something where, like, everybody, like, kind of was... You know, the story, the narrative was probably very similar across the board about what happened here. Except, you know, again... As it went further in the nuance, like, this had been going on for 51 days. So I think that the first images of the botched raid and people getting shot and people getting hurt was one thing. And then it was just, like, a daily barrage. Like, nothing, you know, nothing's happened. A few kids. Because I do remember the kids being released. Yeah, I don't remember that. I do remember that. Because mm-hmm. there was times where they would, like, negotiate kids. So, like, things were happening. But at the same time, like, you know, at least some of the documentaries, like, you're hearing that, like, they were, you know, well, at first ATF agents were killed and obviously that's what escalated everything, but they were like blasting music at them all, all the time. They were playing weird sounds, doing weird, th- like a lot of psychological, I think yeah, what a lot of people would say, like They were playing like, uh, audio of rabbits being slaughtered. I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like when you're doing that. One of the podcasts I listened to, they actually like played that. Yeah, and it was at, like, really Sound high bad. decibels. Yeah. And when you're thinking about it, you're going, okay. Like, if you go back the the full view, and you're like, okay, here's the government attempting to serve warrants and, um, you know, arrest American citizens, right? So it's, it, it's not, you know, not that it's okay to do this in, like, a foreign war or something like that, but the idea, like, it's on American soil, it's American people. Mm-hmm. You're doing this, but the people you're doing this to are wildly devoted to someone who's telling them that you are going to do this and you're evil and you're doing something that mm. I would say would probably be unequivocally like uh, evil, playing right? Sound clips of rabbits being and slaughtered playing, is evil. Playing like, songs 24 hours a day like on loop that were so loud because I mean a lot of the, like when I'm watching documentaries some of, the, some of the people that were there like the FBI people were like yeah it was so like they were hearing obviously they had to hear it too and it was just like what are we doing you know and there's a lot of like miscommunication I think between both sides about how to like actually approach this situation from a hostage standoff because there was so many kids that were inside of the, the camp yeah um, ultimately this is when everything ends and I, I feel like it was you know broadcast on news because the images I've seen I, I've seen them before you're seeing these like kind of retrofitted tanks that are poking holes in this structure in the building and then they're throwing in gas canisters. That's what you see. And then all of a sudden there's fires. So there's conflicting reports whether or not the government accidentally set the fire or their munitions set the fire or they were shooting firearms in at the time to which ignited the fire. Or the flip side is the members of the Branch Davidian set the fire. Right. So you really don't know. All you know is that once the fire started, there was no way it wasn't getting contained. Whatever was in there that was acting as an accelerant, it was not getting contained. Weren't they also um, like wasn't the FBI also kind of like gassing them out? So what they were doing or what their bright idea was to end this raid (laughs) was they were going to throw tear gas inside. But Mm -hmm. the people inside had gas masks, so they put them on. And so when you see... Do you think the children were in gas masks? Like probably, the babies and stuff? Probably. When you see... But also, like, allegedly, Janet Reno, who may or may not have given the order to go in, like, she like she might not have been given... May or may not have been given all the facts. Because allegedly, like, she wasn't told that there was kids there, but or was told, or that the kids weren't in the air. Like, but didn't you know that... nebulous. But, like, if you knew that there were kids there, or there could have been kids there, 
And, like, I'm just playing, I don't know, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Like, if you knew that as a child watching the news, oh, there's kids involved, you would know it's at least a possibility, right? Like, because I think that's the thing about this that bothers me so much is all the kids, like, 25 children died. All the, um, there were just so many people involved that, like, feel like they were innocent. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't, or, like, the kids had no say in being there or their lives there. And it just seems so unfair that they well, died in this, you know? Like, it just really... And I think that's really, that's really the main <laughs> takeaway here, is that there were, or it would appear there was a lot of innocent people that were involved in this. However, I, th- like, my takeaway here, or the way I look at it, at least from this time period, is like... You know, the apt word that's used here is siege, right? So when you're laying siege to an enemy, at least in historical times, like you surround them, which the government did, and then eventually you choke them out, right? And there's like conflicting reports about, you know, and even an attorney that had gone in um, on behalf of David Crash, like was going to represent him, like someone saw it and was like, hey, we're going to be an attorney to represent you, um, went in and like the attorney that was talking was like, it smelled of like garlic and sewage because like, I guess there was all sorts of like, you know, bodily fluids and all sorts of things that were just back, like backing up. But the garlic is cause like holistically they were trying to treat different wounds and stuff. Oh, no. But there was videos of like David Koresh like on TV and they're like, yo, like you have like an infection from where you got shot, like in your side. So it's like one of those things where they were kind of like, there's different like reports like they could have maybe waited it out. He might've died, might not have died. Like, from his wounds, because it's not like they were getting, like, really good medical attention while they were in there. And he was wounded on the initial, like, go-through. So, like, he survived, like, the 51 days. So, it's really one of those things where, like, if you're going to lay siege to someone, (laughs) you lay siege to them. You don't then kind of decide, like, okay, now is the day that, like, or now is that, like, you kind of, like, wait them out, you know? So, it's really, like... That part of it is really strange where you're like, okay, what yeah, about they this waited, day? They waited so long. days to then have it end in the same way it, it could have ended if you just went in guns blazing in the first place. Right. But it, you, you chose not to because probably... You backed off. People there were children killed. and there you were women off, that right. weren't involved in the, in the violence. And like, so you backed off for almost two months. Trying to negotiate, getting some people out. And then you're like, okay, well, that's it now. Like, we're going to go in now with the tear gas because we're done with this. And it's kind of like... It's one okay. of those, it's, yeah, like, it, it's almost, an, it's almost kind of like, in a way, like an American, like, it, it's like a microcosm of like the American, like military industrial complex in some ways, because it's just like, some, like, I'm not saying other countries don't do the same thing and they have it in history, but it just sometimes feels like sometimes you just go in like guns blazing to get started. And then you're just like, okay, like I lose my patience or resolve. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's just what this sort of looks like when you hear all the different people that are talking about it from the different angles. Having said that, you know, if on the base level, the initial facts of the government's case are true, like, it's just not good, right? Having children using firearms and, you know, potentially taking super young wives and, and, you know, abusing children and changing guns out and stuff, but it's like, you had to go do the warrant there you couldn't try to get these people like not off the you couldn't block the compound and try to get the people off the compound right so it's just the whole thing is is, the the ending of this entire thing is tragic right because obviously the beginning you know maybe there was good intentions we're gonna raid this place we're gonna you know get the illegal firearms get the illegal munitions um 
and serve this warrant and have this big win, right? Like, what is the point of the FT ATF, like, to stop these illegal firearms from coming through, to stop right. this activity? So mm -hmm. it's it, it, it's not like, for all intents and purposes, it's not like what was being done wasn't illegal. Because that was the other thing that I saw where a couple different, like, members that were out were, like, kind of referencing, like, yeah, he might have went to gun shows and sold guns on the side and, like, kind of knew, like, they mm -hmm. didn't know what he was doing, but, like, maybe he was modifying the gun. So it's like, okay. So you were definitely committing a crime. Um, I know that what's come out of this, you know, event is like huge Second Amendment, huge militia movements, huge things because of the what people view as the government overreach. Gotcha. And but again, I'll say this: maybe they had was it three hundred and five guns. Still, the government's more powerful. You know what I mean? Like it didn't help them. Well, if anything, it escalated things. It made it worse because they did kill those ATF agents immediately. And that is what made it worse. Right. So like all those people died for what, you know, like it's just. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's tough because, again, the more stuff that's available when you paint a broader picture, it, it, it appears almost unfortunately, at least from some of the stuff and documentaries and conversations that like maybe this is where. um maybe David Crush, like, in his vision, it was always going to kind of end in some sort of fiery, you know, situation. And that's what makes this whole thing sad. Do you think that he thought that when this was going down that this was the apocalypse? Yes. Like, I think, like, from what I heard, like, from what the people have been saying and kind of what, like, he was teaching and, like, from what you can kind of, you know, take the little... Like, I, I think that he thought that this was revelations now i will say that with all honesty um i think sometimes when i think people and then depending on your own political or your own kind of mental slant i think people can take the stories and the teachings of the bible and apply them in almost any situation that they want right they can go well this is uh you know the the you know, COVID is, uh, you know, uh, no, I'm using it as like, it's the plague, right? No, could, I know. You could be like, this is the plague that was released on man for all your pets. Like you can like find all the different things. Right. If you want to connect the dots, the difference was, um, he had kind of been building towards this. And because the, I guess the main thing here is that a reporter had come into town Knowing, you know, because it had been tipped off that the government was going to be making this raid. And I guess a reporter had come into town and had mentioned, asked someone where the location was. And then that information got back to the people at the camp. So, ultimately, the people there, the Branch civilians, knew that the government was coming that day. So, if you're telling me that, like, hey, <laughs> here's a group, here's a group that maybe believes that the government is, like, the beast that's coming to get them. Yeah. And to trigger the apocalypse is then showing up and they're told and then they do show up and then you fight them. Like, it just is like the perfect storm to continue that narrative for that group in that moment. Right. And then all the things that happen thereafter are only solidifying and codifying that group to the leader. And it's like, I'm sure, you know, if there's, we did more research and I was like, I'm sure this is like, kind of like. 101 of what not to do, right? A lot of the things that they did is probably what not to do because it's like you're codifying the group with the leader because the leader told the group this is what's going to happen. And then you're basically, you know, you're, you're fulfilling that prophecy.
Right. Because the prophecy only matters to those people in that room, in that space. It doesn't matter to everybody else because everybody else is not dealing with the same thing they're dealing with. You know, you and I, where we lived in New York, we weren't dealing with the government coming to get us. And, and we weren't living it like we were not dealing with that. They were specifically dealing with that. We weren't in a cult. Right. But take the cult, take the religious <laughs> aspect, take all the other things aside. It's just the idea where you're talking about somebody believing something. Yeah. And then this belief is coming true. Yeah. And in an age where we don't have the internet and you don't, which that brings its own problems. You know, now, you know, we talked about even yesterday when we were talking about the movie, the Batman, right? We were talking about, um, you know, the rabbit holes that people go down, you know, like, oh, I'm on this message board and I'm going to get my 500 followers from wherever you can connect with people. Like you could still do all of this where you can connect with a small group of people, um, because of the internet. But like these people are isolated. You know, from all intents and purposes, he isolated them from, um, like, the outside world. Like, he didn't want cable, didn't want things like that. So, like, they're isolated. Like, they're here, in the like, kind of in the middle of nowhere-ish, isolated on their own compound, surrounded by each other. So, like, they're living their own narrative. And then all this other stuff is now helping to fuel that narrative that, like, the rest of the world is watching this going, but th right. this doesn't make sense. Why is this happening? So, it's really, like, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah, and if you, like, listen to neighbors and stuff, apparently nobody minded them. They weren't, mm -hmm. like... And again, like, I'm not defending. Um, no. Because I do think something had to be done. But, yeah, I, I don't know. The whole thing is wild. And I was um, surprised because I didn't realize that Branch Davidians were a thing before David Koresh, and they're actually still a thing now. There's still yeah. Branch Davidians there. There's still... Um, church service at Mount Carmel. Like, mm -hmm. there's, it's still going on. They look at David Koresh as a martyr. Mm -hmm. Um, that like he did some things that weren't great, but it was for the greater good. Right. Um, and they really feel that way. Like, I listened to a podcast where there was a guy that teaches sermons there that was choking up over what happened to him. Like, it, it's wild. You know, unfortunately, you could say whatever you want about the, you could say whatever you want about the ideals and, and the ideas of democracy. But I think the one thing about the American experience, and I, 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 I don't want to speak to every other place, um, because I think different places probably have it done a little bit differently. But the idea of the American experience is that a lot of this was founded on you know, and, and people have really taken the Second Amendment and, and ran with it. But, you know, in the First Amendment, you have religious liberty. And this country was founded on religious liberty. And the Second Amendment, obviously, the right to bear arms. So you start to put these things together and you go, the bedrocks of our country are based on you being allowed to have your religious views. The government not being able to overstep into your, you know, space, right? This is why we rebelled against England. And then obviously the ability to, the right to bear arms. And these are things that are ingrained. And so, you know, the idea that here's this religious group, that's, you know, what they believe, you know, following, you know, they're allowed to believe what they want to believe. Yeah. And they're allowed to possess these firearms legally. And also. But then they're, if they were modifying them, it's like, well, then if the government, like, so it just becomes this in, whole thing. In Texas at that time, you were allowed to marry 14 year olds. Mm -hmm. Not great. Not saying it's okay. But right. like this was Texas in 1993. And like mm -hmm. there were weird laws. People in Texas 
really like guns, right? So like, there's all these things that people in Texas believe, right? So yeah, I, in in general, I just want to show you something. This is okay. really random. This is the flag of the Branch Davidians. You tell me what you see. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> I don't know, man. That one's tough. You don't see a sperm swimming into the Star of David. I kind of do, but I, I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to insult anybody's whatever. I mean, that's their flag. I don't think any Branch Davidians are listening to our podcast. True. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think it's one of those things. I, it's it's a very interesting. Like, they are very, very, very uber religious. Like, it's, it's an offshoot of the Seventh-day Adventist. Like, and I'm not, again, I'm not like, believe, no, whatever, no. but I mean. Nothing, nothing here. They're, they're not, they're not listening to. Uh, well, it doesn't matter because nothing here. Um. Yeah, this is a this especially this part of our podcast. You know, we're doing it for entertainment, but this part is always about kind of like the news stories and the happenings. And I think this specifically is huge because this really does set the frame for the next you know thirty years in American history. We're still dealing with the aftermath of this event that I don't think um, if anyone could do it over again, it would be done remotely in the same fashion. Right. You know, sometimes there's things that happen and you're like, okay, yeah, I would do it again, even though I know the outcome because the outcome wasn't great. Like, I just don't think that any of this would have been done in that fashion. I mean, I would hope not. You know, because it just was not, again, you're going you're gonna to lay siege to someone and then you decide, okay, this is the day that I'm going to do this thing. And then it just goes completely awry in a way that the images and, and everything will last forever about what happened. And right. it's just so... It's wild. It's yeah. wild to really think that these people held out for their beliefs against the government for that amount of time. And we still, I think to this day, still don't know how it actually ended because I really don't. Everything I read is like one side says that they set the fire. The other side says that the government set the fire. Right. So both sides, you still really don't know. I don't know if you ever will know. And Which is, is really like, sad because like sometimes just the facts are important, especially 30 years later, like the facts are important. Hey, if they did set the fire in there and then they were willing to die and they did die because they were like, okay, this is over. If that's what they did and that was their choice, that's important for the narrative. I feel it's important for the narrative. Right. If not, especially the since there were babies up. in there. See, I think that's what I, I, I keep going back to. Like those kids didn't have a choice. They were stuck in there. And that really bothers me. Like that. I mean, I'm sure it bothers everybody, but that's the thing about this that like, I can't. Like, I don't know. Like, who cares about this crazy, like, you know, narcissistic cult leader guy? Like, who cares about him? Like, just, who cares? Like, there's actual, like, humans in there that, that don't have a say in what's going on. Like, and they're going to die for nothing. Like, it just seems Except unless so messed you up. take the other side and they died for their beliefs and ultimately... But if you're four, you don't know what you believe. If you're eight, you don't know what you believe. If you're a baby, you don't, you don't have the, like ability to have beliefs like that's just not fair well i'll I'll leave you leave you with this idea um if you believe something so strongly you believe it and you believe it for your family and you believe it for everyone and then you you die and you don't see whether or not that was real and we don't know whether or not there's an afterlife or not or anything so you really don't know all you know is the facts that you have in front of you and the facts you have in front of you are these children were killed these people were killed. That's what you have in front of you. And you have the facts. You don't have the whole... Because belief is what makes people move mountains. 
you know, forget this, forget this idea. You know, if people believe, you know, take the idea of, let's say the pyramids, like people believe that we're going to build these pyramids and this is how we're going to do it. And we're going to start on this piece of sand and build it. Now, obviously, you know, you do have your, some side, maybe ancient aliens helped you. Yeah, you have the other side that maybe the reality is with any amount of slave labor, you can do whatever you want. Right. But the point is they believed that this is what they needed to do. And this is, this is something they needed for their legacy. And they, those, those things exist today for you to see, right? People believed it and they, they put it into action and it's here and they made it. Right. But, but the point is, is that like belief can make people do. I mean, I feel like you're, I, I, (laughs) sure. No, I'm just saying like the idea, like I like you. I, I hear you. I don't I don't dis- disagree that belief can make you do things, but I feel like this is a strange um, situation to be saying that in. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I believe that I would be burned to death in my crazy religious cult house compound. But and if, I did. But if they believe, <laughs> but again, it just goes back to like I said, what the stuff that I'm watching. If the idea is these people believe and they were codified that he was the Messiah. And that this was the end of days. They don't know that the world continues because they're not here. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, in their mind, this is the end and they're protecting their children from the end. So when you're like, they're children. You know, that's the thing, right? You can believe whatever you want, but then then there's also reality. Like, and the reality is... The reality, yeah. We're all still here talking about how messed up this is. But then a few years later, again, you draw the line. Then a few years later, hey, you know, people continue to do the stuff that they do. But... This has been our potpourri talk. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we went nowhere with this, but everywhere. Yeah, I mean, we just kind of touched on what I feel like is one of the biggest stories uh, the past 30 years. I mean, we have, we've added nothing to the conversation. No, there is so much. There so are much so many documentaries and podcasts and things that you can consume to really learn more about this and uh, figure out what you think mm-hmm. happened. Um, and maybe you can be like us and just realize that you have less of an idea than you thought you did. Yeah. Cause that, that's, that's the main thing I took. Like I said, you know, talking about, you know, what happens with the Oklahoma city bombing, like, I feel like they, you know, really fleshed out this whole case, you know, they put him on trial. So they fleshed out this whole case. They went through his beliefs, his manifestos, his ideas, right. For Timothy McVeigh, like all these things, like this is all data and things that we had that was there that you can hear. I mean, you think he even gave like a 60 minutes interview, like you can hear, his conviction and his thoughts and his things. Now you don't agree, right? But you can hear it. Whereas this is like, you can hear the sermons and things from before. And then you could hear what he was saying during the siege when they gave him the camera. But like outside of that, you're putting together things from people that knew him back then that escaped that situation, uh, escaped death in that situation. But that's really all that you kind of have to go on. It's not like they got him out and then put him on trial, you know? And then you're like, okay, well we can really hear, this, 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 and look, like, here's the evidence that we had for your crimes. It's just kind of like, hey, we're here. Yes. So, as we know, we play our game of trivia. What's the score, Jen? Oh, I won last week, didn't I? I thought you did. Yeah, I didn't think I marked it. I did. Okay, it's 3-3. 3-3. Let's go. What stealth action video game released in 1998 uses movie-style cutscenes to tell the story of a special ops soldier named Snake. 1998? Um, 
So like the first Call of Duty? Metal Gear Solid. Oh yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that. Um for how many years was South African anti apartheid leader Nelson Mandela in prison before his release in nineteen ninety? Sixteen, twenty seven, or thirty four? Thirty four. Twenty seven. Damn. <clears throat> I was gonna say, I was like, is it thirty? Okay. Oh, oh. What became the world's largest aircraft maker when it bought McDonnell Douglas for $13 billion in 1997? Was it Airbus, Boeing, or Lockheed Martin? Boeing? Boeing is correct. It's the only one I've heard of. Well, I have heard of Airbus. But okay. Um, What singer, known for her album, Come On Over, was the first woman in 13 years to win CMA Entertainer of the Year in 1999. Was it Miss Twain? It was. What sticky quit smoking aid, which lasted 16 to 24 hours, was approved by the FDA in 1991? Sticky? Quit smoking aid? Mm-hmm. The patch? The nicotine patch is correct. Um, what UK country boasted the birth of Dolly the Sheep, the first cloned mammal? England, Scotland, or Wales? <sighs> okay, so I need this to tie. Mm-hmm. Scotland. Yes. Oh, man. I was like, I, I was <laughs> like, I feel like, as soon as you said Dolly the Sheep, and I'm like, that was Scotland. But, well, that was a spirited conversation. Um... Probably probably one of the more darker ones that we do, because that was pretty sad. And consuming all that media about it was sad. But Yeah, it was sad. It was interesting, though. I actually kind of want to like watch some of those documentaries. Um, don't worry, Pat. In June, we have John Bobbitt. <laughs> well. They got that whole situation. <laughs> I mean, we're out here. To look forward to. We are the 90s Mixtapes. <laughs> this was our potpourri episode where we covered... Um, a little bit of the, uh, the ending there of the Waco siege and, uh, some new stories happened in 1993. Jen, I appreciate the conversation. You can follow us at, uh, Becky left the chat or at, on Twitter, right? VLC pod on Twitter. It's, it, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's so hard because you know what? I don't have a blue check mark, so it's impossible to figure out what's going on. <laughs> right um no we're becky left the chat at gmail if you want to drop us a hello um on instagram where 90s mixtapes or no we're blc oh my god we're a mess just find us we're out there mm-hmm. we're out there somewhere if you could follow us um if you like us if you could leave us five stars that would be amazing if you really like us and you could leave us a review that helps people find us and um thank you guys so much for listening and if you got through this episode we appreciate you and uh yeah bye